The Lonely Gal. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Lonely Gal podcast. My name is Judy Wong, and I am your guide on this journey. Today's guest is Don Harris, who will be sharing with us his life experience and how he navigated through his lonely times. Today's podcast is brought to you in association with Graco Studios, based in Finglas, Dublin. They offer a hybrid solution for video, photography and podcasting. For more information, please check out their website at gracostudios.com. Well, hello, Don Harris. How are you keeping? I'm very good, Judy. Good, good, good. To be good. Here. I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I just thought maybe just to give the listeners just a tiny little uh, backstory about who you are uh, before we dive in a little deep. So tell me a little bit about yourself. It's a very good question. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder myself, who am I and where am I going? And then I discovered that actually there's quite a lot of people often feel the same way. So mm. who am I? I, I um, I'm in my 60s now. I've mm. had a long working career uh, in various areas. But when I left school, the only bit of career guidance that was going on at the time was minimal, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so when I went, at least the school did have somebody who was a guidance counsellor, as they were called. The lady said to me, you'd be quite good at sales. That was about it. I suppose there was a test, but oh, you'd be good at sales. So I think that really meant I was quite good at dealing with people or talking to people or being mm-hmm. with people, any of those descriptions. And it is a fact that when I was at school thinking about it, I was the person who was asked to show people around, new people at school. So I guess from an early stage, I ha- there was something in me that um, identified with uh, people and wanting to help or, I don't know, talk with them anyway, be with them. Okay. So um, my school was very happy and no problem with the school. I didn't go to college. Uh, I think I wasn't academically suited to college. I think my parents were told that and I think they were probably right. Really? Yeah, well, I, I don't know if it was kind of put over to me that way, but uh-huh. I, I think that I would have struggled. I, I didn't have a great leaving certificate. I did okay. Um, but I went straight to work about three weeks afterwards in a, a now defunct store called Switzer's. Switzer's. Yeah, Switzer's. On Grafton, on Grafton Street, Street yeah. uh, where Brown Thomas is now. So that was my first job straight after, which was sales behind the counter. I discovered I was quite good at getting jobs. There was mm-hmm. a little ad, a trainee manager, and I think my parents approved, <laughs> as used to ha- happen with these things. So I went in there and it was all about people and I really enjoyed it. But I think a year after I'd left, I realised that maybe there's a bit more um, to this. So I stayed a couple of years, but then actually decided, Do you know what, I'll, I'll actually think about getting more subjects because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So fast forward, I did sales jobs of different kind uh, in the, because this was the 70s. I got into the 80s and then somewhere along the line, somebody asked me, well, I asked them actually, could I sit in 
uh, because they were doing a radio program on what was then known as Pirate Radio. Oh, yeah. Good old Pirate Radio stations. I sat stations, in for yeah. a week or two for that man, okay. a lovely man called Peter Roycroft, or Steve Patterson, as he was known. And okay. I said, where'd you get that name? And he said to me, I was looking at a box of matches and it was Maguire and Patterson. <laughs> that was the name. <laughs> Steve Patterson. So that's what you did in those days. Um, so I really enjoyed it. So that became a thing. I, I enjoyed radio. I got into radio. Things went on. And then I decided I would set up an agency to sell radio stations, what were known as local radio stations then. Uh, in a sales service, a centralised service. So that took quite a long time to get. And uh, I got the contract for that way on in 1991. Actually, the start of 92 was when it launched. But it, there was a lot of work involved with all that and I did various sales jobs and they were all sales jobs. And I wasn't quite sure where I was going. But there was no doubt about it. I was good with them people. And importantly, because of what we're talking about today, yeah, I think I discovered, do you know what, I needed to be with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my two best friends, as it happens, for various reasons, um, their careers took them out of the country. So they both left and um, one went to the UK and one went somewhere else. Uh, and so I kind of was left floundering a little bit with those two close friends and looked around for other, I suppose, what would now be called tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but bumped around with other people and had a great time and, and um, no difficulty at all with any of the friends I had. Okay. But there's no doubt about it. The first friends you have at school, and one of them started off in primary school, another one happened to live close to me, it just meant that... Um, they weren't around and they were the ones that were the foundation. And I think a lot of people have that situation. So I found myself joining groups, studying marketing, studying advertising, public relations Mm -hmm. and things that brought me to courses. And this was part of my further education that I didn't do. Okay. You know, immediately after school. So I kind of um, decided, yes, I did need to have some kind of further education. It would be good for me. I did enjoy sales, but I don't think I ever felt I was under pressure with sales. I was mm. just very good at having conversations with people and opening doors, as they say. Interesting. Yeah. Can I so, ask you a question? Mm, go ahead. Because it sounds like you're always around people. Mm. And because the podcast is about uh, talking about loneliness and your experiences around loneliness, for somebody who is constantly around people um, in the sales environment, um you would talk a lot, you're out there going to different events. How has loneliness impacted you? I've only known you uh, uh, a year or two now. And so you're seeing me going to events and doing mm-hmm. things and that's where we've met. But I didn't always do that at all. Okay. And even at an event, I think this happens quite a lot, you can be very lonely in the middle of an event. So it's not always about the event, it's about you and why you're there and um, what you get out of it. So you're right, I have gone to networking events lately in the last while, um, but I didn't do that for a long time. I just went, as a lot of people did too, Mm -hmm. the pub after work. It just tended to be the way it was. 
And that happened at lunchtime as well. It was a different culture when I was growing up in the 80s and working away. Uh, not that I was much of a drinker, as it happens at all, but it was the place where you met people. It was the people where things happened. There weren't the proliferation, proliferation, that's the word, of coffee shops that there is now and other places to go. There was really just the pub. Mm-hmm. And people went to meet other people and that's how it happened. So... Yes, I was around people and whether I stayed very long or that wasn't really the point. It was just to feel you were amongst other people. So you got argued with it all about work as well and you needed it for work. But I think to a point it was just being around people and wanting to be around people. So I think I probably, looking at it in in the cold light of day, I've always been somebody who felt loneliness a bit. But then I was also a bit of a loner. Mm-hmm. And I did woodwork and I made boats and, you know, a canoe and, and went down the road, route of doing things on my own. Yeah. So maybe I wasn't as good a mixer as I could have been in those days. Maybe, do you know what, it didn't bother, it didn't bother me. It didn't seem to have an effect on me. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then when my, my friends left, I think that's where things changed a little bit. Yeah. I, I can kind of relate to you in the sense that hermit lifestyle. Mm. <laughs> a lot of people would see me very much out there. I'll go to events, I'll show my face, but technically I enjoy my own space. I like alone time. I guess how do you balance that alone time with are you feeling lonely <laughs> during that alone time? Cuz mm. I feel like alone when I'm in a good headspace it's fine. I'm actually happy out in that perfect silence, doing my own thing. May it be writing, journaling, painting, cleaning, catching up with housework. But it's the loneliness, which is the harder part of an experience when you're by yourself and you're feeling really low and really down. So have you ever felt that type of loneliness? You see, I don't always know when I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. I just know I'd rather be somewhere else. Okay. So I'm not quite sure if I've really identified what being lonely is, except, as you've just said, you can feel a bit down and, oh, will I go down here? Or will, um, but it's always in your mind. It's then compartmentalised as in and meet a few people. You don't actually, I don't think necessarily we're capable in the moment of saying I'm feeling lonely except maybe in some occasions when you could be in the middle of London or in the middle of Dublin or the middle of New York and be lonely and surrounded by people mm-hmm. but are you saying to yourself I'm feeling lonely or are you saying to yourself I don't really feel part of anything here and I have had that in the golf club yeah I've had that in quite busy events okay where you're standing there and you're being ignored. Hmm. And so in that moment, I guess you are lonely. But I don't think you say to yourself, I'm feeling lonely here. Mm-hmm. You just feel maybe unwanted or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, so to answer your question in a more direct way, I think I've been lo- lots of times lonely. And I think I've gone and done things uh, that have helped me to get through that loneliness by keeping busy. Okay. Uh, uh, and not because I 
particularly felt I should be busy, but just I felt, I tell you what, I'll go for a walk. Mm -hmm. I'll um, get the canoe out or maybe I get the guitar out and you can get lost then in other things. So I think that is a trait of being lonely, no doubt about it. I think not having your oldest friends around uh, makes you want to keep in touch. And I mean, I I have managed to do that. And I think that has helped me a lot. And so the two, I mean, one of them I now know over 60 years mm-hmm. and the other one over about 55. So they're, they're the oldest friends I have. Then there's a lot of other friends that I've met in latter years who are very good close friends as well. But it's a different kind of era. It's a different kind of friendship. I said to something, somebody at an event the other day, I feel blessed and fulfilled to meet some of the people I've met in the last five or six years and to move in the circle of people I've been able to move in lately. So that helps your loneliness. So I think that I was listening to something today and, and, it, and it compartmentalized it for me too. The person who was talking about talked about a third space. So okay. the three spaces were work, home and somewhere else. Okay. And so they said, they were a very eminent person, that it's good to have that third space that you feel comfortable in. So whether it's going through the woods, going for a walk uh, or whatever is your thing, it's good to have that third space. And you might be feeling lonely, but, you know, you mightn't be. Mm-hmm. You might just say, no, I'm very comfortable here. I'm on my own, all right. But I'm not necessarily lonely. I don't know if that answers anything, but I think that happens to me. Yeah, it's good to define the difference between being alone and the loneliness yeah. feeling. Because I think nobody really understands it's such a it's a really natural feeling it's a feeling that is um it's it's an uncomfortable feeling just like a pain in the stomach is uncomfortable Mm. or a headache um and what i've actually started to learn about feeling lonely is that it will pass it will pass by it's one of those things that at the time it challenges me, which I think it's meant to come to my space to do that. Because if we're not challenged as people, um, how are we meant to grow and learn? So I've had to learn as I've gotten older that this uncomfortable space that I am in or I've, you know, managed to kind of feel for that moment, that it's okay. That maybe I just need to kind of let people know but there's nothing major that's going to happen. I might shed a few tears. I might feel a bit uncomfortable. Um, that experience normally disappears very quickly after um, after I think I accept it. So do you think like there's a bit of power of accepting that uncomfortable moment? Oh, I think I, think I did that a long time ago. Okay. I think that's absolutely correct. But I think accepting it and then taking action mm-hmm. are part of the same thing that, that makes it acceptable. <laughs> sure. So whether it's reading a book or turning on the radio, I'm a big radio listener. So listen to a radio program or listen to music. And then the other important thing, which I, I haven't mentioned yet, is family. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, I'm very fortunate to have a really good family. Not a big family, mm-hmm. but now I've got 
uh, children and they have children. Um, so there is a, uh, there's a family environment there, so which is, of course, uh, very helpful. But um, I think that when, you're, when you know you're not in the mood to be with other people, yeah. you could arguably say, you know, are you lonely? But uh, you want to be somewhere else. And what is that? So I think that it's just... I just want to be different. I just, I'm, I'm enjoying my space. Now, there is, you just said something there and it just brought it to mind a little bit. Of course, bereavement mm-hmm. can definitely cause loneliness. And I know a lot of cases where that has happened to one person or another and they have maybe got a pet or mm. they've got involved with a choir or a drama group or helping in a local uh, charity shop Mm-hmm. Or something like that to help them with their loneliness. So I think that's I could I, I could I'm quite good at identifying perhaps other people's loneliness, but not necessarily my own. Oh, that's a fascinating skill. <laughs> well, I don't know. You can sort of say, "Oh, he must be lonely, or she must be lonely, or they must be lonely," and then they you get into a conversation, or you hear them talking, and they say, "Oh, yes, I am lonely," yeah. and maybe they admit it then. And they maybe they don't even realise at the time. Or yeah, there's times I'd like somebody to walk in the door, or I I feel I need to go and go down to the local coffee shop. And I, for years I've been saying that to a very good friend of mine, who does um, live a bit of a reclusive type life. Yeah. Make sure you go down to the local village, the coffee shop, and just see people and have that conversation. And the, and that's important to do because it it changes your perspective. Mm-hmm. And somebody says something and it just changes your viewpoint. Now, it is important, though, that you check in with people who you think might be lonely. Yeah. At any time of the year, it doesn't matter what time of the year, we can always talk about, you know, particular times of the year when loneliness hits more than other times because mm-hmm. people are missing. Mm-hmm. But there may be times you just haven't seen somebody for a while and they haven't been in contact. Yeah. And then it is definitely worth calling in yeah. or phoning as we still say, yeah. rather than calling. And a text doesn't do that. So I've always been a believer is make the call to somebody you're, that's on your mind. Yeah, That's the worst that can happen is they don't take the call. Mm-hmm. The best thing that happens is they say, oh, thank you for calling. It's great to hear from you. <laughs> it's funny that you should say that because <laughs> the thought that's coming through my mind was my late godmother, <laughs> she didn't quite thank me actually when I was, Checking in with mm-hmm. her via calling her on the phone. Um, I I told Mary at one time cause she lives by herself. Like she was in her eighties, and um, I've known her for like forty odd years. But I used to call in with her or call her on the phone. Now Mary is of the genre that if you say this day, you better call on that day. But unfortunately, my lifestyle is a wee bit busy, so I called her the next day. And well, I don't think I think World War Five happened on the phone. But I knew that it wasn't, the anger wasn't placed from that she was pure angry. She was lonely. She was really lonely and she was super excited to hear from me. I I would understand that. And therefore, what a great thing you did. So I think in my case, in my parents' case, um, my father passed before my mother did. And my mother always gave the impression that she was so busy that she didn't have time to be lonely. I don't know whether that was true or not, 
But, you know, you would say, I'll come up at 5.30. Oh, no, I can't come up at 5 o'clock because I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Or I have to go to the butcher. Or, mm. You have to make an appointment. Yeah. So I think there's an important thing here, which is that certain generation don't admit to being lonely. Yeah. They give the impression they're busy, busy, busy mm. and didn't always discuss their lives with their children. I think that happened to my family. Mm-hmm. I regret I didn't have other conversations with my father that I would have liked to have had now. Mm-hmm. And I and I blame myself a little bit. And I say, you know, maybe you should have asked more about that. But I think in all honesty, it wasn't what happened. And there was a bit of a wall of sorts between you and their lives. And they wouldn't talk in the same way that we might now. Uh, and I, yeah, I think it's a generation shift there. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think the main thing is, though, make the call. Yeah. And then either, no, you did the right thing or they call back or they see the message or they you know, missed the call. Or I know, for example, this is, not, this is going away from it slightly, but I, I, it might not be. I had a relative and um, she was very ill uh, and a good distance away. And I kept being told by her husband at the time, Oh no, she's a bit old. You better not. You better not go. And you better not. Better not. So I just decided one day, I don't care. I'm going. And I just went one evening. It was quite a long drive. To, so I didn't get there till about eight o'clock to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I announced myself to the. Now I had rung actually just to see what the hospital thought. And then I announced myself, and I just kind of arrived. Yeah. And the the ward sister went to the person and said, "Oh, um, Don is here." And I could hear this, what? And then I went down and uh, saw her in her uh, sick bed and we had a lovely hour or so. And uh, again, it was a generation thing. I don't know if she was lonely. I don't know whether it was, uh, you know, it's not, you don't always get lonely in the hospital because there's so much happening. Mm -hmm. But she passed away about two weeks later. And the thing is, I, was I doing it for me or was I doing it for her? But somewhere in there, I was sorry that I hadn't seen her for some time, which was about two years at this stage. So there's there's the loneliness side of it and there's the missing. And somewhere in there, there's a link between missing somebody and feeling lonely. And I think that's, for me, is an example of something that I did to take action. And I felt enormously better afterwards. And I think, as it turns out, so did she. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But I think um, it just touches a little bit of what you said. Make the visit, yeah. call in and just occasionally check in. There's other stories that I could talk about that was quite serious repercussions in a good way. And um, by making the visit and just checking, is that person lonely or what's their state of mind? Mm-hmm. Which is a slightly different thing. We're, we're, we're moving into mental health, but it is kind of linked. Yeah. Definitely, I agree. That generation, they would have been a little bit more shy to admit. Yeah. Versus, well, we're. I think we're in a generation where we're open to the vulnerability of saying we're not doing okay. Like, I definitely remember growing up, it wasn't comfortable to say, you know, I, I need help. It was actually kind of scary or... It either made you look weak mm. or 
like you should be punished for just saying that you needed support. That's a... I think that's true. I think yeah. that's really true. So in a way, it might have been a bit, it might have been a bit confrontational to try and push and probe. And so we didn't. Mm. And uh, and that's the way it was. And it seemed to work fine. And uh, of course, you find out things laterally about people that just, sorry, you didn't know at the time. You might have had other conversations. But, but you know, you can not be lonely, but be on your own. And you can be in the middle of a crowd of people and mm. be as lonely as hell. Mm. Because you feel you're not in the middle of that circle, you're outside somewhere. And then something small can happen and uh, it makes all the difference. In my own situation, because maybe it's relevant sometimes, in the networking scenario, I very rarely am in the middle of the room. I'm usually hovering around the edge and uh, near the cups of coffee or the tea. Or but I, I, I'm extremely uncomfortable doing that networking but I absolutely love the conversation. So if I find somebody and I'm having an inter- interesting conversation and they seem to be feeling the same way, that's to avoid loneliness, but it's also to have and and have time with the person and the conversation that I'd like to have. So I don't know whether that's relevant, but I think loneliness is part of all that in an event. So if you don't mind me asking, Judy, how do you define loneliness as it, as it affects you and how you've dealt with it? Um, so I guess for me, loneliness is when I feel um, like I can't talk to anyone, which is an interesting point because I can. So I wonder if I feel like I can't talk, does that mean am I holding back? Am I creating a protective space or am I too afraid to just admit that I might be lonely? Um, You know, because I guess for the longest time, because people don't perceive me as somebody who would be quite lonely. But does anybody perceive anybody? Yeah, I guess. We don't know till we ask the question and we don't ask it directly. No. So we always say, are you on your own or Mm. do you have a pet or what do you do, you know, to uh, keep yourself busy? But that indirectly is without asking the question, are you a lonely person or are you doing things? I guess I I feel. Yeah, it it is interesting that the older I'm getting and the more I'm talking about loneliness, I'm actually recognizing from the conversations and these are people of all walks of life is that everyone's experiencing it, but we haven't, like, we haven't dove deeper to just check in and, like you've just said, ask the appropriate questions. So, um, yeah, I feel like we we all get impacted by loneliness from time to time and everyone experiences it. It's an interesting thing because I'd like, I guess, the listeners to feel that, sense of connection um, and a sense of it's okay to feel this particular way. Yeah, it's funny you said that because just as you were saying that, a a phrase was coming into my mind that somebody else said that it's okay not to feel okay. Yeah. I can't remember where I saw that or who said it. Yeah. I think it's a mental health uh, line. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's okay not to feel okay. Mm. And lots of people. And the other thing is in that bar, in that coffee shop, in that crowded area, when you're thinking about your situation, whether it's loneliness or something else, every other peer, every, without exception, every person in that room has stuff going on. Every single person. It's just a question of how they have dealt with it. And, uh, you know, do you ever get a conversation going with them that they might say that? Probably not. Yeah. I don't think uh, a lot of people want to go that deep, eh? <laughs> no, exactly. Interesting. Well, thank you so much, Don, for your time. You've been an absolute gentleman and uh, it's been really wonderful to listen to you and to hear your perspectives on your life and your experiences on how loneliness has impacted you. Thank I you really for the opportunity. Oh. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening today with myself and Don Harris, aviation introductions, coach and tour guide extraordinaire. If anything resonated with you on this podcast, please reach out to our socials at thelonelygal underscore or the email lonelygalpodcast at gmail.com. And to Don Harris, don at talkback.ie. We'd love to hear your stories and we'll see you soon on our next podcast.